what if you fell in love with a, um, a transvestite and that transvestite fell in love with you or that transgender fell in love with you, mm-hmm. right? Or you fell in love with – it doesn't really freaking matter. It's that person wants to express themselves and you both are in love. You both get each other. It really doesn't matter. All the other stuff, that other stuff – as long as you're both living your passion and you could be able, you're able to kind of clearly allow each other to be individual together. I think sky's the limit, to be honest with you. I believe one day there won't be a, you know, there's not going to be a segregation of any type of, or anything like that. It's just going to be, we're here. Here we are. It's pretty cool. Life is an interesting journey. You never know where to take you. Peaks and valleys, twists and turns. Welcome to your next chapter. Regardless of what chapter you're in, success begins with taking ownership of the life you have. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Taking back your life begins with understanding what mindsets you're operating with. In this podcast, I deconstruct the mindsets of coaches, entrepreneurs, and social influencers to provide you with the skills and mindsets to own and dominate your next chapter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode. Today's guest is Therese Gagnon. If this is your first time listening, I wanna say welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on board for this experience and listening to my interview with Teresa. I brought Teresa onto the show because she is my favorite yoga instructor in the world. She owns the Yoga Source Studio here in Newmarket, and it's her philosophies and her thoughts on life that I really wanted to explore and why I brought her onto this podcast because it's not that she's just a great yoga instructor, it's the ideas and philosophies she brings into her class that she shares during the practice that I really feel put her above and beyond as a yoga instructor, and that's why I brought her on because I wanted to talk more about some yoga philosophies her viewpoints on life, and really how to tap into your dharma, which is something we talk a lot about in this podcast. If you don't know what that means, stick around and hear more. So without further ado, here is Teresa Gagnon. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me and my audience today. Thank you, Phil, for having me. It's an honor. I want to say thank you for sitting down a second time because we've done tried doing this a few different times and we've had different technology glitches. So I appreciate you and your patience in doing this. And so I want to dive right into it. You've kind of done this a couple of times, but I like to lead off this question on my podcast, start this way. If your life was a book title, what would be the title of your book and why? My book title would be my introductory to Pan, which is the devil, and mm-hmm. uh, or the story of me, my relationship with the devil, pretty much. <laughs> And why is your relationship with the devil so important with you? Because people just jumping on lessons would be like, what, what is she talking about? Why? And so why is that an important aspect of your growth and development in your life? Well, I think it's because um, growing up, you know, being taught to kind of repress or suppress feelings or don't do this and don't do that and do this and do that. Being raised Catholic uh, with parents who were not Catholic, literally bikers smoking pot, growing their own pot and partying, and but yet they want me to have a great education. So I went to a Catholic school, not baptized, which is kind of like taboo. So I got to recognize a lot of different things in both. You know, the Catholic, you know, the repression of like, you know, not naughty things, can't do that, can't do that. But So you could do it behind closed doors, don't tell anyone, suppress it. And whereas my family is totally letting it all out, but they're critiquing how the Catholics are so stifled, but yet I'm still going to the school because it's a better education. So it's such a contradiction. By the time I was nine, I, I thought to myself, they're all fucked up. <laughs> Everybody is. 
And then I, I started to, you know, ask God or the greater energy. Um, I gave it my own little spiritual name. And I said, what is this? I don't want to be like my parents, nor do I want to be like these Catholic people. And then I start to find my own way through life. I start to really pay attention to people, the soul, the connection, um, because I realized that people were just clinging to what they thought a title of them was supposed to be. They were competing to be something. And for me, I just wanted to be me. So doing that, um, whenever I did something that felt good and someone would tell me, no, you can't do that. That's against the law. That's bad. That's terrible. You shouldn't do that. You should be embarrassed to do that. I really felt, well, that's not fair because that felt really good. And whether that be uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, sexually, whatever, I thought to myself, if something's so wonderful, so good, and I'm not hurting anyone, I'm not hurting myself, how can I be told that that's not a good thing? And then I realized there's such perimeters around dogma, like um, religious, you know, denom denominations, or even, mm -hmm. you know, people not knowing what they were, they had some sort of dogma, some sort of righteousness around their right. um, path. I just wanted to find my own path. So I constantly did naughty things <laughs> and I did. And I went, Oh my God, this is like so taboo, but it's so fun. And I found the perimeters within that. And I realized um, most of those things I was doing weren't terrible. They were just me expressing and exploring myself. And so I can totally relate to that because I grew up in a Christian household and I came up being bisexual about a year ago. And now it's something that's very taboo, obviously, you know, me liking men and women and it's not very approved in the church. And I, for the longest time, was like, why did God create me this way to have feelings for men and women if he didn't want me to explore it or understand more about that? And so I had a very tough time coming out of that. And there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of depression. There was a lot of anger and frustration because I was living this hidden double life. But I'm curious to know, what did you learn about yourself when you danced with the devil, when you did these taboo things or you did these naughty things? Like, what did you discover about yourself from that process? Well, I know that uh, I like to push people's buttons and to get them to come out through their passions and their uh, being, which is the sacral chakra, which is the, um, the second chakra in the body. And that's our sexual place of uh, expression. And so I've had a lot of bisexual friends, a lot of gay friends, uh, especially growing up in Miami for 10 years. So you get to see it all. For me, I knew that I was definitely, I am uh, heterosexual. And I knew that being in a space with all my fun friends and stuff like that, that they had to respect that too, because everyone's like, oh no, everybody's everything. I'm like, no, not really, to be honest with you. But um, it's that respect. It's that ability to say, yeah, well, my preference is that. And so that helped me not to judge people. And to help my people not judge me too. So, because there's a, I found there's a lot of judgment around just sexual being. Like, it mm -hmm. doesn't really care what you do sexually. It's are you living your dharma, your passion? Are you expressing yourself? And I also would say to people too, like, you may be with a man or a woman, but one day, you know, you break up or something and you find somebody else. And next thing you know, you didn't realize you'd be in love with someone from a, another uh, religion or another their way of life, another culture, another color, and or even another sex. Like, what if you fell in love with a, um, a transvestite and that transvestite fell in love with you or that transgender fell in love with you, mm -hmm. right? Or you fell in love with, it doesn't really freaking matter. It's that person wants to express themselves and you both are in love. You both get each other. It really doesn't matter. All the other stuff, that other stuff, 
as long as you're both living your passion and you could be able, you're able to kind of clearly allow each other to be individual together. I think sky's the limit, to be honest with you. I believe one day there won't be a, you know, there's not going to be a segregation of any type of sex or anything like that. It's just going to be, we're here. Here we are. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. That'd be nice. Oh, it'd be amazing, right? Where people just accepted themselves, other people for the way that they are. It'd be incredible. But I want to ask you, because you used the word Dharma there a little bit ago. And so for people that aren't familiar with that word, talk a little bit more about it. Because one thing I love about you and your classes is the yoga philosophies that you bring into it. And so if people aren't familiar with that word, just share a little bit more about that. Well, okay. Thank you for asking. That's a good question. Dharma soul is born into whatever choice of family uh, situation and every child has a purpose and that purpose will show and reveal itself as we become awake and see what our passions are and it's really something that's deep within you it's in your soul that um, you're able to express as a gift so uh, it's a layman's terms of me saying it's it's your true gift it's your true true nature your true following it's your authentic self mm-hmm. like for me it took me, oh my God, I think it was 28 years to really find out that I was meant to teach or be a part of the yoga world. And saying that doesn't mean I'm wearing a, a saffron, you know, robe and, you know, kumbaya, or I'm going to say kumbaya, but, you know, om namah shivaya, om namah shivaya in India. But I'm really truly meant to be a Western girl living in a modern world. Well, it sounds like Madonna song coming on. It does, actually. And it, teaching it had a good yoga. flow to it. It did, didn't it? <laughs> but I'm here in this modern world really giving my my expression of yoga and I've met with a lot of gurus and they also feel that I am truly an authentic yogi even though I don't know all the Sanskrit words and I don't partake in all the rituals they do but they say that I am truly one of those blessings of a different type but still I am the uh, incarnation of a yogi for sure and that made me feel really good because I'm like I love this yoga yoga stuff, but I don't know how to do it. So going back to Dharma, that is my Dharma. My gift is yoga. Now I have children and a spouse. They're not my purpose. They're not my passion. They are my karma. So karma is cause and effect. So everything that I do in my world is a cause and effect, cause and effect. Does it, does it support my yoga Dharma? Um, not necessarily because my kids and my spouse keep me away from all the yoga I really, 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 really want to do, but I have them in my life. So that's my karma. Those are my causes and my effects. So I support them, but truly what comes first for me, they would cringe if they heard me saying this, but I always tell them dharmically, it's my yoga first. That's me. I'm first. Then, you know, it's of course my spouse and then it's my my children, they're, but they're still my karma. They're not my dharma. So my dharma is what I do. So karma is a byproduct of things that you do that support your dharma, or they don't have. It doesn't necessarily have to support your dharma. No. Yeah, karma is just karma. You know what karma is? Is ca- everything? Everything in this world is karma, cause and effect, cause and effect. You pick your nose and you eat it, and somebody caught you. Cause and effect. You, you know, stumble and you cook dinner. You do this. You do that. Whatever you do is cause and effect. Like you do something and it creates an effect. Whereas Dharma, it's just, it is, you can't take it away. Some people just suppress it. They don't know it. They don't live it. They're so far away from it. They're living karma, 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 and they're not actually living uh, truthfully in their Dharma. And that is, um, they're not happy. They're not passionate. They're not living Ananda, which is bliss, or they're not free, which is moksha. They're not really 
you can tell. I mean, we're all kind of, we forgot. When we were born, we forgot. For some reason, I don't know why we're supposed to remember, but I don't know that part of it yet. But as we start to reveal, you know, and go, oh, this makes me feel really good. This this feels sensational. This doesn't feel so good. This feels good. And then discern. And then hopefully that leads you to something that is like, oh, my God, this is really makes me want to wake up every day. And I love sharing this. I love sharing this from me. And it's not that you're you're hacking anyone. You're not pretending to be anyone. You're just yourself. Like, I cannot be the Dalai Lama, but I could be me. Right. I cannot be Ram, my, my mentor, Ram Bakalanka, but I could be me. And and we both express yoga, but we express it authentically ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I'm me. So dharma is like your truer, deeper essence, and karma is just your cause and the life that you're living. And it might not necessarily be connected to a deeper essence and that deeper purpose that you were born for. Oh, it is because it's how you support it or you don't support it. Yes, that to answer your question. Yes, because everything we do is, is karma. Your parents are karma. But yeah, to answer your question, um, you are meant to live your dharma. Yes. But how you do it is what's the karma of it? Are you creating a nice, wonderful, blissful path or an uncomfortable path? Or are you blind? <laughs> are you kind of not present? Most of us aren't present. And I totally agree with you that you're living your dharma because you opened up a yoga studio, I think, in Newmarket like 12 years ago, somewhere around there. How yeah. long has it been? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so for people that don't know where Newmarket is, 45 minutes outside of Toronto. And I've done yoga in Vancouver, in New York, in, in a lot of different places. And when I found your studio, I walked in this basement and I wasn't expecting a lot. But it really feels like you're walking into a place in India where there's like this energy and this flow. And you don't expect this hidden gem, this like small urban town that just didn't have yoga at the time and I was so blown away by it and I knew there was something deeper and bigger there because it just had this energy had this force and I'm truly yeah it's one of my favorite yoga studios I've ever been to and you've done a great job creating it and so I definitely feel that you're living in your dharma because of that and one thing I love about your studio is you have the yamas and the sutras up on the wall inside the studio and so for one thing I wanted to talk to you about is like the yoga philosophy. And so for people that don't know the yamas and sutras, talk a bit about them because I know you mentioned during class all the time. And I love that philosophy that comes with the yoga practice that you host. And so if you could just elaborate, because some people might be hearing those words for the first time, what are the yamas and sutras? Okay. How about if we, we do this, we back up and say, um, let's talk about the yamas for sure. Sure. The sutras, that's a whole different ballgame. That's a wonderful topic, too. Um, but that's the, those are like little stories within the story that tell you something about, you know, the self. Mm-hmm. Whereas the yamas, I love the yamas, and there's also niyamas. So yamas and niyamas are like the ethical precepts of what to practice as, as a human being. Kind of, I don't want to say it, but it's kind of like how the Catholics have taken the Vedas, which are the oldest um, discussion around our world as human beings. Um so what they've done is they did the Ten Commandments. Well, in yamas and yamas, or yamas and yamas are kind of like the very first ground front for, hey, people, let's let's follow these um, ethical precepts. And yamas are like, you know, non-harming, which is called ahimsa. Mm-hmm. So when we're practicing yoga, we don't want to hurt ourselves. We're not competing for wellness. So when you do a uh, posture, a lot of people in North America fight themselves to get into it. And that's like, well, they just lost the ahimsa. They're hurting themselves, right? And then there is satcha, which is truthfulness, the unshakable truth, which is, again, don't hurt yourself. Live in the moment for what you are capable of doing mentally, physically, and spiritually with your breath. And then there's this one um, that I really love is a parigraha, which is non-clinging. 
So a lot of people don't get that one because they don't understand what that means. It's like not clinging to the past, your hurts, your pains, your discomforts, or clinging to the unknown future, or clinging to a way, a pattern, a way of thought, or clinging to your beliefs that you think, oh, I can't do this, or clinging to even a religion. So I don't even cling to philosophy. I'm open. My philosophy changes as I evolve as a human being. So that's a parigraha. And then there's um, ashteya. And ashteya is that non-stealing. Like if you're in a posture and you're practicing your yoga and you're really good at yoga and you meet someone who's not doing their yoga, they don't know how to do yoga. You kind of like don't want to steal the thunder from them, from them wanting to practice it and do it by being a show off egotistical idiot. You just kind of like give them the grace to practice and encourage them. And you give them the spotlight and you don't compete with them and you give people permission to have their own space so Ashtaya to me is giving everybody their own space and as well as your own space to be yourself without the ego competing. And then my favorite, which I'm so far on that practice, but it's called Brahmacharya, which is practicing all of it under the ethical precepts of like walking and talking and breathing. it. And some days I just don't do it very well because I'm in my backyard with my friends haggling and drinking too much wine and, you know, being a little goofy and uh, maybe I am walking it, but sometimes I can gossip a little too much and I catch myself. I'm like, Ooh, I'm not really practicing my yamas. And then the yamas fall under in that category too, is like in the worldly part of it that's really big too but those are like the yamas are really tough for human beings i think and just like any 10 commandments you know do unto others as you'd have them do unto you i think that's a i think that's a big awakening for the next decades i think people are going to start to wake up and realize that we're to respond mm-hmm. as, as opposed to react so start responding and instead of reacting and reacting and reacting we got to start really waking up and start hang hey, yeah man Let, let's do this ahimsa stuff let's do this such a stuff let's do this aparigraha and this uh, uh what's the other one ashaya and brahmacharya let's get into this stuff like let's just love ourselves and be really cool with everybody but also being responsible right mm-hmm. so a lot of people think that oh yogis they're flakes they just get out there and they do nothing no 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 karma Oof. you know we don't want to call it bad or good karma but doing nothing like you know being a surfer dude on the beach and not contributing to the world and having maybe a at least a lemonade stand on the beach is, um, you know, when your people just walk around and they say, I'm not going to do anything. That is when they can contribute. That is like karma known as like, you know, people that don't give a shit and they just like, oh, don't worry about it. That's, it's kind of like a fine line. You kind of have to still be responsive. Like doing nothing is not cool. Does that make sense? 100%. You got to share your life. You got to share your gift, your gift. So, um, and I don't mean to pick on you surfer dudes out there, but if you are a surfer dude, you give lessons to other people. You, you collect seashells, you sell them, you, you do something to contribute, to share back to the universe. You save the, the, the dolphins, you do something for the wildlife. So oh, I didn't mean to use that because <laughs> everybody gives them a bad rap, but you've got to, you got to give something back, man. You got to still do something, partake. Well, it reminds me, one of my favorite quotes is the Theodore Roosevelt quote. It's the man in the arena. And I learned it from Brene Brown, but she talks about how the quote basically talks about where 
the point is to be in the arena, right? Like getting bloody and gory and not being on the sidelines and being a spectator, right? And it doesn't matter whether you're succeeding or doing well at whatever you're doing. It's more about that you're making an effort, you're putting yourself out there and you're fighting for what you believe in, right? Because that's where you learn and you grow and evolve. But if you're just on the sidelines, it's so easy to be a critic. And that was a big reason why I started a podcast because there's things deep inside me that I believed and want to take a stand for, but I didn't know how to like mm -hmm. manifest them or show them up in the world. But it really became apparent to me, like, well, I love speaking. I love talking to people. I love interviewing people. I'm like, I should really just create a podcast because it's a good alternative platform to be able to do that. And so that's the thing for me, right? It's like, I continue to be in the arena, right? Regardless results, it's just about me being out there. And it, as long as I keep doing that, it keeps moving forward. It keeps growing. And that's the interesting thing about it. But yeah, it's not about what I'm hearing you say. It's not about being a spectator, right? It's not about being the surfer guy on the beach that's just kind of like zoning out, surfing waves and smoking a joint from time to time. It's about how are you giving back? What is that dharma and your bigger <laughs> contribution to the world? Exactly surfer dudes but we don't think you just do that but yeah you know absolutely giving back to the world in a sense of, of um how can you share that light and be that light a beacon for others right share it pass it on pass it on through generation through dna through karma because not only do um we carry our own karma or create our own karma we actually are born with our our ancestors our ancients karma right so mm -hmm. you know we are contributing and sometimes you know you might wake up up one day it's like why do i have this gift none of my family immediate family have it and i have it you could be your past past karma too right that karma was passed on to you meaning like some residual of energies cause and effect cause and effect cause and effect mm -hmm. like it's in your dna so that's another deeper story but yeah not today we're not this is not meant you know, life is a is an experience it's not meant to just sit back and watch which is fun to do too but know when to pick up in the your laundry and do the dishes and stuff like that it really is meant to be present. You're meant to be present and really be a part of it. Well, let's segue into uh, experiences. Oh, I love it too. And so let's talk a bit about your earlier chapters. Like how did, what experiences led you to figure out that your Dharma was a yoga instructor? Cause I know you grew up in Miami and, or at one point we're living in Miami. Like how did you discover that this was your calling, your purpose and your Dharma? What did that process look like for you? I think it was like way back when, the uh, whole Catholic uh, school and my parents being bikers, that contradiction, that contrast there. And it didn't fit right in my body. And I think it was something like I, something about meditation. And I saw a picture of a girl teaching someone yoga. And then after that, I just started to kind of go down a path of like, there's got to be other stuff. So there's, of course, the hippies too, right? Oh, they got this yoga stuff going on. And of course, back, back then you think it was just granola people. You know what I mean? That's another stereotypical idea of people. Um, they're just, you know, living on uh, is it compounds where they live together in the, in the gardens and stuff and they all mm -hmm. are hippies and they do yoga. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but they smoked a lot of pot too. But the thing is I, I want to kind of see it in a different way. And I started to move my body in those ways through Nautilus gym. And it's still, I didn't like the weights and stuff, but I wanted to feel my body and breathe in my body more fully. And it felt really good. Eventually I found uh, a wonderful center that everyone at some point has to go to is Massachusetts Kripalu C-R-I-P-U-L-A I believe it is Kripalu mm -hmm. and it's one of the first places I was 16 and I was 18 and um, I think I was like 23 when I went and all those times I found myself every walk of personality every type of yoga 
meditation, Kundalini, you name it, stuff was there. And that's why I'm like, this is my stuff, Shazam. And then after that, I still wasn't really living it as far as being that as my career. So I end up into diving into uh, homeopathy and uh, acupuncture and fitness training. And that led me into running those, managing those places that had all that and massage therapy. And so I pretty much went home to home, personal training, massaging in Miami and L.A. And then when I moved back here, due to my loss of my late husband in uh, 2000, and uh, I, I decided, and two, at that I decided, I'm like, okay, where am I now? What am I doing? And that's when I didn't meet my spouse today. And he said, what do you really, he asked me, what do you really want to do when you grow up kind of like thing? And I looked at him and I was 36 at this time or 33. And I said to him, I want to open up that yoga studio. And it was in my mind's eye mm -hmm. for forever, forever. But I mean, I did try to open up a yoga studio in Miami and LA, but it really never happened. So I was still fitness training. I was still doing yoga side on the sidelines and massaging. But finally, when I, of all places, I never thought I'd land in Newmarket, Ontario. Can I go back to Miami in a heartbeat? I end up there. And for 12 years, I've had my, my yoga studio, not mine. I shouldn't say my, it's the community's yoga studio. I just built it. I happen to be a conduit, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it took me a long time to finally realize and to stop doing all the other stuff. Like I don't personal train. I don't even massage anymore that much, but I'm my, my whole uh, exercise regimen or my breath practice and my movement is all based on yoga. Everything's yoga. It's not like any Pilates or move the weights around or anything else. It's it's truly living and breathing the yoga practices for the past 12 years, which is pretty cool. There's a lot more to it, but that's another hour and a half. <laughs> that's another book. That's another podcast that's another that, book. that we can get but, into. Oh, yes. yeah. And so last time oh, we yeah. spoke, you mentioned the Intrepid Voyager a lot, which was um, a saying I haven't heard a lot about, but I really liked it. And so where does that come from? Who is the Intrepid Voyager? And just chat a bit more about that. Well, I met a wonderful man in my past um when we're going through our crazy time there was a lot and i'll be honest with you at that time there was this idea of you know i was shocked into bisexuality at that time mm -hmm. and if not for me but for my spouse was was uh quite promiscuous and uh anything went for him and i was quite taken back and he struggled with a lot of pain and suffering from the loss of his parents and was a heroin addict and recovered for years and then all of a sudden he fell to the prey of his addiction and went into that kind of relapse and it was there where I kind of met myself and I found that I was definitely the the, um, the supporter and the, the yogi and that um, to be honest with you I didn't judge I realized that he's a human being and I absolutely love him inside and out I don't care who he's doing and it didn't really matter because that sex part of it is just a the orgasmic part of our connections and our touching and all that stuff. It could be sexual or it could be intimate as far as deep, deep love. And for me, I knew that we loved each other deeply and that what he was doing was his thing and that it was his stuff. And um, I went on my own way and, and start to rediscover more parts of my strength and my yoga. And I supported him to this day. We are still connected. And that was a good, holy shit. What year is it? 17 18, 19 years ago, and we're still connected today because I, I truly believe that there's a fine line in sex and sexuality, 
I think if you could cross all the genitalia out, we all are asexual. Like we just are. We just are. And then you put something at the end, a, a male or a female plug on the end, and that makes us whatever we're supposed to be. But in the end, I think it's deeper than that. I think it's more of a intimate connection. So the intrepid voyager for me is is to let go of my dogma and what I think is right and what I think is wrong, and then find that that the flip side of the coin, what we call the head, and the other one is the tail. It's still the same fucking coin, so it doesn't really matter. You could flip back and forth in either one. Same with yin and yang. One does not exist without the other. Within the dark um, little teardrop, there's the white mm-hmm. circle inside, vice versa, because they both host each other one cannot survive without the other just like masculine and feminine we need to reproduce and that's why we're here in these different kind of genitalias right i love that word genitalia so for me it's like the intrepid voyager is really being able to let go to let go surrender and trust that there's something a lot bigger out there that we have no idea we used to think the world was flat Mm -hmm. right and we used to think that there was no way we could communicate through a telephone, let alone a freaking device, let alone the fact that I can walk walk past something and they'll say, hi, Teresa, welcome to blah, blah, blah. Like the future, there's going to be a time where there will be no actual physical device between us. It'll just be an intuitive connection. You want to turn on someone and have them connect with you, you just think about them and then they check in with you. Like I really believe in the next 300 years or less that we'll, we won't have these. Like, this will be our character like remember the the old telephone that was connected to a wire yep like how archaic is that oh yeah well in the future well well we have these little tiny phones now well guess what there won't be a phone all you have to do is connect it intuitively and to be the intrepid voyager is to let go of all of our attachments psychologically mentally spiritually all those things because where we know ourselves to be right now is all that we know through experience karma and if we can let go of all of that you know what we 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 couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle the truth, to be honest with you. It's, it's like that's another movie coming on here. So we the the truth is that there is more for us to unveil, but we're not ready just yet, and that's why we are where we are right now. And hopefully, we'll grow and we'll start to realize that this whole sexual revolution is part of our evolving. I believe, and, and so that makes me the intrepid voyager. <laughs> and so for the intrepid voyager, I would speculate trust is a very important emotion right because there's a lot of unknowns that goes into it and i talked to this guy mark Gross a little bit ago and he talked about living in the unknown and that's like his big thing now because he takes on he can achieve more in the unknown because just by being open to possibilities and trying to predict everything's going to happen but it would require a lot of trust because you are letting go of so much that it would almost mean having a faith in something greater than yourself and believing that's going to come true for you is that correct Absolutely. But look at look at what we as human beings have been given as what is greater than us. Right. Has been like things like um, mentors to look up to, like Jesus, uh, some sort of religion, embracing some sort of uh, guru or something. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times there's a lot of dogma or attachment around that or segregation because then they're just objects, too. They're just representing something. Um, You wipe out all those kind of like gods or goddesses or or things that we say that's what i do and you wipe that all out and you just in space that is me the universal 
that what's out there that we don't know. We just keep on creating symbols. And I think what happens is that we, we don't trust those symbols because there's too much segregation and judgment around it. We're always judging. Oh, don't believe in the Catholic religion or Christianity or that. But that's why I love my, my, my philosophy teacher, Ram, because he explains and talks about that in his um, he has a couple of YouTube channels and maybe you should get him on your channel. Oh, we should get him on. Oh, he I talks about that. the history of humans because he really has, I can't explain it, but he says it so beautifully how the religions have evolved, how the human humanity has evolved in thinking and how all this religious, religious stuff happened. And it really is kind of neat. His whole, his whole take on, and he's like from way back. We're talking he is the yogi philosopher of the Vedas. And that's another topic. So for me, I think trusting, boy, oh boy, we're born into what? Something, right? A religion, a cult of some sort, a dogma of some sort. So I think for all of us to trust, we have to really trust one um, has their opinion that that's okay. And we can trust just to let go even in that space of judgment, right? Because mm-hmm. we're going to be judged if we let go. And for me, when I let go, oh, my God, everyone judged me. Everyone thought, who, are you, who do you think you are for letting go of, you know, and being all this spiritual girl? Well, who do you think you are? And I'm not even going to attach myself to spiritualism either because that has its, you know, unfortunately, crazy attachment too. But I am truly just really open. My mind is open to the, to the revolving. So that, that's trusting. That's trusting. Really letting go of what you think you should be and what everyone else is thinking you should be and what you think is available right now and, and not even know, like, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next 300 years. I, I mean, I won't be here, but my DNA will be floating around. Right. So for me to let go and trust that moving forward and doing what I'm supposed to do as far as like, not supposed to, but what I'm doing for my passion, for my heart is I'm supposed to live life beautifully. I'm like going to, have a good time so yeah every day sometimes it's stressed i don't have enough money to do my passion blah 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 but if i let go my god i'm telling you and i'm 48 now every time i let go shit something amazing happens some support happens something happens that i could do the next thing and it may not be the way i thought or i thought i should the whole should word or i supposed to those get wiped out and next thing you know some new clear path i'm like wow i didn't know because i didn't and that's stepping into the unknown. I think that's what you're talking about, how your friend or your um, colleague is saying, stepping into the unknown. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, there's been times I woke up depressed, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to socialize. But I would push myself out just to go brush my teeth and wash my face and put on some clean underwear and get the hell out of the house for some fresh air. And I won't want to talk to anyone. But for some reason, someone walks down that path that I'm on, that there's nobody in the middle of the forest, but somebody peers in the forest. You know, and then they say something. And the next thing you know, we're having this conversation. I'm like, where did you come from? And why did you make me happy? <laughs> like, how did I bump into you? And it's the universe. It's the universe saying, hey, I got you. I got you. Just let go. But take a step. Move forward. Show me too. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting how it works. You just have to have a little effort. And then the rest is just... It's like a bird. When a bird flies, it's not all flapping its wings. It's mm-hmm. flapping just enough. And then the rest of it is the universe wind blowing beneath its wings. It's so amazing. Just enough a glide and air and universe and just enough effort for that bird to fly. That's just us. We just need a little effort. The rest is the universe. 
And when you say let go, what do you mean by, can you give an example of somewhere where you let go and then how something has shown up for you or something's become easier or a solution has presented itself? Because you hear this term a lot of letting go, but like, how do you do that? How does that show up for you? Well, in our everyday uh, world, then we all have to pay our bills, right? We all have to pay a mortgage. We all have to pay our lease. I own a studio. I'm in the red, like big time. Um, it's evolved big time. It doesn't mean that I'm failing as a community or the community doesn't want yoga stores because people are showing up, except there has to be another way to um, pay for the demands of the taxes and the hydro because they've gone up, right? We can mm -hmm. increase membership. We could do all kinds of things, but things evolve. So you have to be creative. So I was in a pickle and then I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to to live stream my stuff. So I started to present it way back in 2011. There, was, there wasn't the IT for it. So I had to let go because mm -hmm. my dream was bigger than what was available to support it. So if I wanted something, but there wasn't the support, edit aside, just take a deep breath and just kind of let it go. Now that there is the IT uh, available, you know, the production, the cameras and everything available, as we know, as we're doing right now, kind of like, so I was able to say, okay, okay, it's still there. It's a lot more expensive than I thought. And I still, I'm not able to a company that was terrible. They didn't match my vibration into it. Instead of university and waiting patiently, I rushed. So that lesson for me was expensive. So do you see what I mean? And then instead of giving up on my dream, I had to surrender back into the universe and say, okay, I still want this because it's in my gut. It's in my heart. But I have no money because I messed up and I'm okay with that. And the universe says, okay, just keep on going. Just keep on going. And then next thing you know, I met somebody and they're like amazing and they're willing to work with me financially and they're the best vibration. They actually meet my vibration. We're, mm -hmm. we're both these intrepid voyagers together into the unknown together and it truly fits. So every time I say to the universe, oh, fuck. You know, I step back and I, and I literally have to say, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but I can't give up my passion, my dream, because it's not ego, this dream and passion. This is my dharma. What do you want me to do? And sometimes it takes a week, a day, a month, a year, 10 years, a decade, right? But mm -hmm. it's still it, it's still happening. My dharma is still happening. It just sometimes I need to just go back and let go and surrender. And then all of a sudden I go on that path when I'm like depressed and I have no money and I don't know. I'm going to pay for my mortgage and I get up and go for a walk and I meet somebody by chance. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. then you're like, what the fuck? And this is called surrendering into. Because if you're truly following your path, then it will work out just like if someone, Oh, see, I have somebody who made a boo boo, a big, big, big mistake. Cause dharmically, um, they weren't following their intuition and then they got into some kind of dirty karma mm -hmm. and that dirty karma has come to bite them in the bum. Now they're going to jail. So, and I, and I said to this person, you know what, honey, you got to let go. You got to, uh, what's that called? The Shang shock. What's that movie? Sham shank, shank, the shank redemption. Shawshank redemption. One of my favorites. I love it. Yeah. Yes. 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 So maybe you are really karmically having to pay and go to jail and maybe write a book and educate yourself while you're in prison, because guess what? That's a good place to be to get a free education. <laughs> so I told him, I said, you got to turn it around, baby. You got to surrender. You got to let go. You got to learn from your lesson. You got to go, right? Or dig yourself a fucking tunnel out. <laughs> so 
the whole point is when you do surrender to the universe, the answer. Does that make any sense at all? Like he's going to jail. Right. He's got to pay for it. And he's got to surrender to the fact that, yeah, he did. He's guilty. He fucked up. But you know what? He can have a really good time there. You yeah. can make the most of it. Yeah. It's and how you look at it. Yeah. It's about surrendering to the situation and making the most of it and really moving forward from that. Well, because there's no, nothing's going to come to you if you're full attention. If you kind of let go and own the truth. And this is Satya. This is part of the Yama. Satya. What is truth? What is truth? Right. And then your response is, is then, okay, I own this truth. But if you're going to react and fight it and deny it and say, well, and you, wasn't me, it wasn't me. But if you own it and you say, yeah, it was me, then what are the consequences? Or what is, what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do it and then partake in it. And maybe that was your lesson. Maybe you're going to learn the best thing ever while you're in prison, right? And I'm not saying that everybody has to go to prison for doing naughty things, but you're going to have to pay some sort of karma, right? right? There's going to have to be some sort of like, and I don't mean that, you know, when people say, oh, karma, when something terrible happens to somebody, it's like, oh, karma. Well, that's, that's, that's not nice to say that because sometimes just shitty things happen to really good people. And the lesson in that is like, they can handle it and they're going to get through it. And maybe they're going to be really good teachers and how to teach people how to go through losing, you know, their children. Like some people just are so wonderful. Right. And they've had to go through so many traumas and, you know, they end up going on as counselors or the ones that lead addiction programs or they're the ones that lead things because they were meant to go through that unfortunate trauma to become really good teachers. And that sucks mm -hmm. too. Eh? But Hey, karma. So what I'm saying is when you surrender to what is in your moment, you'll, the path is the teacher is right there. The universe is giving you a signal. Maybe you're meant to be another light um, for something else that you had no idea. And that's, that's the intrepid voyager. That's letting go. That's entrusting in the universe and something greater than yourself. That really is truly surrendering. Yeah. I agree with so that hundred percent. Still don't know how I'm going to pay next month, month, next month rent, but I'm sure it'll all work out. <laughs> It always does, right? It'll all work out somehow. You know what? It does. And and if I truly surrendered and, and then – because I don't own Yoga Source or the yoga community or anything. I actually – I'm the conduit. I create it. If, if the community no longer felt that I was meant – like no no longer needed me there, then yes, one day I would never have a penny. I'd wake up and then the landlord would say, look, I'm going to have to close your doors because you're not you're – not, you, you need to do this. Then I'd say, okay, well then, okay. All right, universe, I get you. I got you. Right. Mm -hmm. You actually have to surrender. You have to let go. But that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Thank God. Phew. I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to ask you because I hear this a lot with like we store emotional pain in our body. And so I want to get your point of view on like emotional pain that is stored in our bodies. Right. Like I have really tight hips. Right. I, like I grew up playing tennis and a lot of it is like from sports, I feel. But like when we have these areas that are super tight, like. Is it some kind of indication where we're holding on to something? Like, how do you view that based on your own body and like the people that you've taught through the years that you've taught yoga? Well, that's a good question. It's a great question. Some big questions. Today's question. To be honest with you, why did you play tennis is the question I'm going to ask you. Tell I played tennis because I was a kid. I needed to do something. And my parents wanted me to play an activity. So it was fun for me. So I enjoyed it. So that's why I started playing tennis. To fill time, really, and to good. have an activity. Yeah. So it felt good, and you really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So that's a good thing. So you playing tennis was an expression of you feeling good. So that that was your sacral 
that's your sacral chakra is your sexual expression of who you are. So just think of how you play tennis. Everyone think of, if everyone would think about what sport they paid, played or what activity they did or how they did it and the intimacy of it and the, the serotonin and the endorphins and all that stuff that it created for them, that's where everything begins. And then, and then is there an addiction to it? And did you play through injuries? Did you continue to make it a competitive sport? All that stuff. So you got to go so far back to why, like how far, you know, like how much did you enjoy doing something and what did it become for you? And what was it for you? Was it an outlet for you and all of that stuff? Because then a lot of people still play when they're injured and that's where, you know, we start becoming disconnected with ourselves. And I could say this to kids too. And a lot of kids, mom, dad, my knee hurts, my hip hurts. I, I don't know if I could play anymore, but the parents will still make them play or do their sport or do their thing or competitively play. So that's karma from the parents. But also this, the child can always say, you know what, I ain't doing this no more. My daughter tells me, mom, forget about it. But the thing is, though, it really is important to understand if we can um, regress um, through not, not an aggression of like a bad regression, but go back and say, why was I doing that again? Oh, that made me feel good. And um, when it stopped feeling good is what we want to look at, too, and say, why weren't you paying attention to uh, that? And why did you want to continue to hurt yourself? That's called a himself. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I know that's what we're trying to teach everyone in this modern time of this decade is trying to teach or are not trying. We are teaching people to understand that your responsibility to respond to your physical body and play the sports and play the activities that bring you great joy, but know the balance of them. And when we get injured, your body, your BFF, your best friend forever, doesn't ever lie, is telling you, I need to stop because I'm actually injured. And what can you do that would kind of bring you the same kind of joy, but in a different light. And that's called yoga for everybody. Isn't that funny? So I have a lot of youth now in their twenties that have been playing um, competitively sports mm-hmm. and they have stopped to become coaches because they're injured right. or they have stopped completely and have found yoga and they're so grateful. So that's a big question. And I know I didn't really answer it to you, but it is connected to sacral chakra for hips and um it's mobility and how we move in this world and i can't express it enough to people whether they're playing hockey uh whether they're playing whatever sports that affects their ankles their knees their hips it is sacral chakra it's like you gotta start listening and living your passion but also you can counter um you could balance it with a practice of yoga which is really going to be in the future too as well not just a, a kumbaya kind of like practice it really is the cross training practice because I know in California, all athletes, the dolphin or is it dolphins in Miami? Yeah, they have their own Anasara yoga teacher in California. All the football teams and the hockey teams, they all have yoga instructors, uh, coaches because they are aware of this now. Is right. that cool? That is really cool. Yeah, so cross training. Yeah, cross- so you can still play your sport, but play it so that it you're gonna you're gonna. That's my favorite phrase. That there's a balance to it. So that's what we want to teach our youth now, our younger people now when they play their sport. Be the athlete, go out there and win those trophies, but know that the flip side is that you're going to have to regenerate, rejuvenate, restore, and that's called, you know, the therapeutics of yoga. And that's mind-body meditation and breathing is so important. And that totally is, uh, if you're talking, like swimmers and tennis players too have uh, shoulder, throat chakra issues, voice issues. I have huge shoulder issues, yeah. That's that's throat expression and ears listening, and sometimes you know it links to the heart. Feeling wounded, feeling 
you know, uplifted and all those things. So the, everything's connected. So when we're injured in a body part, yes, it, it does represent a, a part of the chakras. And that's another story, your ability to, you know, really see and express yourself and to be aligned with all of those. It's huge. Right. Did I answer any of that? It does, yes. <laughs> it was a great answer. I, I go off on tangents. So I'm like, where did I just go? What were we talking about? <laughs> no, I love the tangents. I love the rambles. Um, I do want to be respectful of your time, but I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Your answers don't have to be short, but okay. I'll just ask you some quick ones. Last time we okay. chatted, you said hurt people, hurt people. Why do hurt people, hurt people? Why do they do that? Well, if I was in, if I if I wake up grumpy because I'm in my head and I'm thinking nasty thoughts and I'm anxious and I'm scared to death and I'm, I'm not grounded and I'm just hyper in like in that place where I'm not grounded. So I'm obviously hurting. Like somehow I'm hurting emotionally, physically. So if my kids come up to me and they're just asking me for something and I snap at them, what the fuck? Get out of my face. You know, I wouldn't really say that, but it kind of like, you know what I mean? I'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, and they'd be like, oh, oh, my God, you know, and then why is mommy yelling at me? And that's because I'm inside hurting somehow. And then because I'm hurting, I'm going to hurt people around me. But you take it into a bigger one. Those that have been mentally, unfortunately, stuck in repression of their emotions and mentally, we're talking big time. I don't want to label them, but down where they're not even really uh, able to decipher the difference between delusion, illusion and reality, all of those things. Then they're the ones that they're so hurt inside. They're so not a part of the present. And, and that is we call we can label as mental illness, but that can be augmented through proper uh, thoughtful, mindful, uh, mind changes, gratitude and changes. But unfortunately they haven't been taught that. So they're way out there, right? You know, I'm not going to say who they are, but they're way out there. They're actually killing people. Right. Right. So those people that are killing people and hurting people and harming people are mentally repressed with a, a, a fear and anger, a trauma. So they're hurt. So they're already hurt to begin with, whether they've been born into hurt they're, they've been hurt. They continually are getting hurt and they, they have no outlet. They have no way of dealing with it. That's why there's so many beautiful clinics out there. And I'm grouping with a woman that does a, a center for uh, youth that are suicidal. Mm -hmm. So yoga source will be working with um, this uh, wonderful group of women who are taking in youth that are, you know, on, on that verge of suicide. And that's where we get into the psychological mindset of training, retraining their brains and their minds that they can change that negativity for a positive. And then eventually they start to, you know, bring up those feelings of why they're hurt and why they're angry. And then the truth comes out and then it's out. The cat's out of the bag. And then we can start really working with them physically and, and through breath practices and yoga. And then hopefully they are, believe me, they will survive. They will become who they're meant to be through their breath and yoga practice. But if we don't get them when they're needing it, they might slip, they might hurt themselves and they might hurt other people. And that's where hurt people hurt people. Cause nobody that's hurt is going to hurt someone. Like if you're happy, I'm not going to go and hurt anyone. I want to help them. Well, it's interesting you say that because when I came forward about being bisexual, it was really allowing me, I felt a big weight lifted off my shoulders, but it really allowed me to start processing and talking about, what was going on before I was just dealing with it on my own, like a little bubble world. And it wasn't really a healthy way to do it. But as soon as I came forward, there's like no. people that I could talk to about. There's two or three people that I became very intimate with and shared more about it. And they were like people I could lean on during the time. And really what I was trying to do was, cause I did a lot of older men was trying to like repair or get love 
kind of from my father wasn't getting. I was realizing that I was seeking something in the wrong place. And since that time, I've really been able to recognize that what I was searching for in those relationships, I wasn't getting in a very healthy way. It was very toxic and damaging. And so I've been able to now start repairing relationships with my father. But it took me coming forward to really be able to allow that to happen by putting it out into the open is the only thing that really allowed it to start me becoming more aware and me more in tune with my body and what I was really seeking for. And so, and that's a big thing about mental illness. If we're not, if we don't have that level of awareness, we're not really able to move forward is what it comes down to it. Amen. And a, like, isn't that awesome? Oh, it's because that's you nailed it on the head. Like a lot of our actions are because we are hurt and we're not really sure. And that's why we're, you know, kind of like embarrassed or not coming out or not telling the truth because it's kind of like our actions are just like, I'm unsure. I don't know why. And it's not clear to me. As soon as it's clear to you and you know, um, deep down in your heart, I mean, it just changes and augments the whole path. And who knows, you may continue to have bisexual relationships or you might fall in love with the same sex or the opposite sex. Like I said, in the future, it doesn't really matter. But you're talking about something completely, you know, different. If you have issues with mothers or fathers, and that could change your sexuality as well. It could deter you from having the sex with the person of that gender that was offending you. It make, may make you want to go full throttle into wanting to have a relationship with that person. You know what I mean? There's so, just so you know, there's infinite possibilities of why. And so this is why we need to let go surrender and not label things like I wouldn't even label uh, gay like my kids talk about it so openly and you know um, we don't even want to label that stuff bisexual transgender transvestite all that you just whatever oh yeah there's there's Susie there's Henry you know what I mean like just who cares but what happens is because of our hurt we start attaching ourselves to labels um, just like autistic kids, they're not autistic, you know, because autistic means that something happened and blah, blah, blah. But they're finding that there's, well, it's just, there's, yeah, there's so much that we can evolve from. One day we're going to call all this archaic way of thinking and, and talk <laughs> like, what, what was that? You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting that if we can truly go back to the unknown or into the unknown and let go, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. That's why I love life is a balance of holding on and letting go. I love that. That's yoga. That's yin yang, like holding on and letting go. And that's our experience. That's what we do. Right. And mm-hmm. and just to honor the place in, in, in like honor the place in where the entire universe resides. It's inside of you. I love that part. And I remember you and I having a chat one day after yoga class, and you were saying how mental illness is the unconscious mind unable, being unable to communicate with the conscious mind. You're talking about how Freud and I think Lang, the other, I forget the other, Carl Young, Carl Young, Mr. Yeah, Young, Young, yeah. how they both like had very different philosophies, but in the end they were saying the same thing, where it's like if the unconscious and the conscious can't communicate, that's where pain and emotions and frustration and all that things show up. And I just found that very interesting because for the longest time I was suppressing a lot of my unconscious sexual behavior, and that only made it stronger and more intense and more. It really just wanted out more, and it wasn't until I let it out that it really allowed itself to grow and evolve. And so it's interesting, right, when we kind of surrender and allow that into the open, what is possible for us? 
see just you you said that when you were suppressing or suppressing the, the unconscious you know and then it just got bigger and bigger that's like having that like you could write the book about my 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 time with pan <laughs> how i evolved because it really is not it, it just is when you suppress something when you hold something when you when you plug your nose and hold you know you hold your breath you feel like you're going to explode it's the same thing you know you're going to explode so you got to like think okay well can i poke it, a, a little air hole in it can i poke some perforate it and let some air in some light in and it becomes softer eh and it, mm-hmm. it no longer becomes such a big heavy dark you know, scary boogeyman. Like my kids are afraid of the basement because there's no lights on, but you flick on the lights. There's nothing there, kitties. Right. So if you just perforate those little dark spots and next thing you know, it's like, wow, you really, there's, yeah, it's just the same as the other flip side to it. It just looks different. Just looks different. And that's why I think that, um, we, we are so, see, we have so everybody talks about the world's going to end in like whatever, 20, this or that or i i kind of giggle and laugh because i think it's like no the world will never end the universe will never end it's infinite it's, it's forever going whether we as a species continue looking like we do or not i doubt that very much we'll evolve but we'll evolve with our dna because we are of the universe and all parts of the universe is the universe is within us and without of us or out of us so just think about it we ain't going nowhere <laughs> so we will evolve and all this fear is just fear and that is the root of our suffering, fears, attachments to what we think. And what we don't know, it scares us. So that's what makes us so uh, attached to what we know. And then that makes us suffer. Does that make sense? Because we're attached to what we know. Yeah. But that makes us, we're, we're suffering because we're attached to what we know. But if we were to detach, like your friend said, step into the unknown, fuck man, you're detached and you're like, I'm just going with the flow, but I'm still responsive. I'm still responsive. I'm still going to get up and brush my teeth because I have a human vessel and I have a mortgage to pay and I have a yoga studio to run and I have children. So I'm still going to be responsive, but I'm still stepping into the unknown every day, going with the flow so that I can have an experience that is more of ananda bliss and moksha freedom. And I'm open to all the new things that are coming our way because I'm not going to go socially, oh, blame society um, and think that you know donald trump is it i think the guy is incredible for shaking the feathers of the north americans (laughs) everybody voted for him but the unknown is that who knew who knew and when the unknown happens you're like going oh well that's interesting how do you shift gears are you responsive or reactive you tell me right Mm -hmm. responsive or reactive so that's why i do my best i mean some days every day some days i'll respond i mean react instead of responding and it's uncomfortable but if i Fun. It's a lot lighter, it kind of pokes holes into that heavy feeling, that darkness, and it makes it easier. I interviewed a psychic on the show. Her name is Maxine Friend, and she told me about The Course of Miracles, which is a very um, highly sought-off text oh, cool. in the um, yes. psychic community. But she talks about how it distills basically how at all times you have a choice of fear or cheer of choice of love, right? And so we're either choosing love or fear. Mm-hmm. And so we can choose to live in fear. And that's where a lot of the scarcity and a lot of the things that people don't want to occur. And then or you can live in love and opportunity and even that unknown, right? And so it's interesting when you distill things to such simple ideas, but knowing that we can always, are we living out of fear right now? Or are we living out of love and passion, as you would say? And so that's important to understand yep. because we're always making that choice, whether we're aware of it or not. And that's such an important aspect towards our own internal happiness when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Eh? Isn't that fantastic? Oh, it's amazing. 
Like you nailed it. You know that. So everything that you're fearing, if you could just hold it and give it a nice little, you know, squeeze, like hold hold to that, hold it, hold your fear, embrace it, love it like a, a little baby, and then let it go. So that's why I like that whole thing. You know, um, it's, it's that learning how to just hold enough, like just a balance of holding and then letting go. So embracing, because in order for us to experience, we must, we must have these discomforts, these fears, these things that we go through so that we can let go. I'm with you 100%. Love it. Let's leave it on that note. Teresa, thank you much for your time today. I appreciate it. If people want to reach out to you, they want to know more about you. What's the uh, best way to track you down? Oh, yoga source for sure. Yogasource.ca. They can contact or email at info at yogasource.ca. And I believe you're on Facebook as well, right? So I can link that out as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you for time, Teresa. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Philip. You're awesome. You too. Have a great day. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Teresa. We really talked a lot about surrender in that podcast and letting go into the unknown, something that I dove into about a year ago when I came forward about being bisexual. I remember my sister asking, like, is this really something you want everybody in the world to know? And I'm like, it's my truth. It's like how I have to live, how I have to show up. And I have no regrets doing it. I feel I've been able to come so much further in myself as a person, in my sexuality, and most importantly, my happiness. Today, from a year ago, I feel like I still have my ups and downs, but nowhere near to level before. I feel so much more certain about who I am, the path that I'm going on. And it all began by leading into leaning into the unknown and stepping into that and being open to what's on the other side. And that really begins with surrendering. And so that's a huge takeaway that we talked about in the podcast and living your dharma. What is your passion and your truth? And a lot of times we don't have all the answers and we can't expect to know all the answers. And our logical mind wants to have all those pieces and understand. But a lot of the fun is in that unknown and things showing up in ways that you can't expect or ever understand. And so that's what we need to trust. And that's what we got to lean into more and more to really live in that blissful state. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I really enjoyed the conversation with Teresa. I hope you guys liked it too. If you know somebody who needs to hear it, share it with that person. This is how the podcast continues to grow through your personal shares or your Facebook shares. And so I ask you to please do that if it touched you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I look forward to having you as a guest on the show.